Pastor wasn't feeling well. Pastor Parmer wasn't feeling well, so I'm sorry. You're stuck with me tonight. That's pretty much what uh, Pastor just said right there. I don't know if you caught that, but uh, I got a little nervous today. I came in this afternoon, and there was an ambulance up front, and of course, later found out it was Miss Lynn, and it uh, sounds like she's doing better. But Pastor all the time says, Caleb, something just happened to me. I'm gone. What, do you, what would you do if you were the pastor of this church? So I thought it was uh, another test that he was doing for me, and uh, I was thinking that's not a good... Not a good thing, Pastor. Please don't do that to me. Uh, but take your Bibles, if you would, to go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, just yesterday, my wife and I were uh, able to go to the doctor and um, get better pictures of the two babies. And we found out that they are for sure 100% two boys. And so we're excited about that. They took 148 pictures. So I think when they come out, they're going to be glowing in the dark. I'm not sure. But uh, they're very, very, uh, very thorough, and um, I just wish I just wish they uh, would tell us as soon as they start to look. All right, everything looks good, but they spend you know some time looking at one area, and you're sitting there for 40 seconds. Is everything okay? And then, okay, that one that's okay. And so uh, you say, Caleb, don't you trust God? Yes, but I also worry sometimes, which I shouldn't. But uh, no, we're just so thankful, so blessed, and everything looks great, uh, is what they said. So. Uh, we're thankful for that. Second Tim- Timothy chapter 4, and uh, we'll read the first eight verses, and really, um, I told pastor, I said, I don't know if this is a Wednesday night message, and it's definitely not a missions message, but uh, for me, if anything, this is very encouraging to me, and I don't know about you, sometimes I can get weary and well-doing, and get, uh, get uh, tired about uh, even doing the good, good fight, is what we're going to talk about tonight, so just, uh, we will read the first eight verses here in Second Timothy chapter 4, it says, I charge thee therefore before God... And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And we're going to go to our text verse tonight. And a familiar verse, I've preached off of it before, but really one of my favorite verses. I have fought a good fight, verse 7. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Now I know it's not for everybody, but there's just something about a good fight. I like watching a good fight whether it be an animal fighting each other or two guys up there with gloves hitting each other. There's just something about a good fight. And um, whether maybe it's my wife and I having an argument, just sometimes it's fun to have a good fight. No, I'm just teasing. But uh, I just hope one time I'll win. I don't, I don't know if I will, but uh, maybe on my tombstone it can say, uh, I won one. You know, this was it. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, anyways, I just like a good fight, especially when the two opponents they're strong and they're quick, and you just know something's going to happen. Someone's going to get knocked out. Somebody's going to get uh, TKO'd maybe as well. I just love watching a good fight. Now, the Christian life, whether we like it or not, is also a fight. 
And uh, we have an adversary. The Bible talks about in 1 Peter 5 eight, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We have an opponent. We have a challenger. Verse 9, it says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. The devil's not going to give us a pass. He's not going to take it easy on us. Uh, he's doing all he can before you get saved to keep you from getting saved. And then after you get saved, he's doing all he can to take you out so you can be no use of, for, uh, for God. But we also have, we not only have the devil uh, as our contender, as our, but we also have another enemy to contend with, and that is our flesh, our old sin nature. Take your Bibles, if you would, and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. But I don't know about you, but sometimes that could be my biggest enemy is myself. My own shortcomings, my own sin nature, that's really what gets me the most. And sometimes that's even worse. When you, you can almost blame it, oh, the devil got me, but when it's your own fault and you know it's your own flesh, it's, uh, I got myself again. 1 Corinthians 9, 26 says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Paul says, but I keep under my body, which he's mean under control, keeping my body under control, and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. We have the devil as our opponent. We have our flesh as our opponent. But we also have uh, to fight against this world, this world system today. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. You know, sometimes we can think that it says there in the Bible, it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Sometimes we think, oh, I have a problem with so-and-so. I'm, I'm getting frustrated with them. Or I feel like, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. That's the devil that's trying to get into our lives. That's the world that's coming in to, uh, to, to shove uh, different things down our throats for us to get a, a stronghold in our hearts and say, I don't think this person really loves me. I don't think that God really loves me. That's what the world and the devil wants us to think. It says in James 4.4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. By the way, this world system is not a friend to God or to God's people. God in this world system does not see eye to eye as we see here in the verse. You cannot be a friend of the world and be a friend with God. You cannot be a friend with God and be a friend of this world. They go against God's values. This world system does. You see, what the world deems important, God says, I don't care about that. And what the world, uh, what, the, what God deems important, the world says, we don't care about that. They are at enmity with one another. So we have the world system to contend with. We have our flesh, and we have the devil to contend with. I just want to remind us all that we are in a fight. What the Bible talks about it, it's a good fight. We're in a fight. There are a lot of things that also wear us down on a daily basis. Just hearing some of the requests tonight, as uh, they were being given, and uh, uh, the, really when we love one another and you think about what someone's going through, it really wears on even yourself, but to think personally, take what that person is going through, and I can't imagine some of the things that were shared tonight to go through personally, 
But God knows what we can handle, and he gives us, he gives us, he knows, and he's the great physician, he's the uh, great comforter. But there's things that wear us down on our daily basis, heartaches, hardships, maybe our health, maybe our finances, things that just wear on us and wear us down all day long. We are in a fight against the flesh, against the world, and against the devil. By the way, did I mention tonight that none of us have a choice about this fight? This fight began when you got saved. This fight began when I got saved. We don't have a choice but to be in this fight. So stop trying to get away from it because we are in a fight. And uh, I've shared with the teenagers before. I had, uh, had uh, a teenager before, not from this church, uh, but they, uh, they felt like every time something would go wrong or they did wrong, they had to, just, they had to take a break from church. Oh, I feel ashamed. I'm just going to uh, get out of church because I don't want people to look at me differently, and I'm kind of ashamed of what I did. And it's like, hey, we should be in church all the time, but especially when we go through something like that. Try, stop trying to run away from your problems. So stop trying to run away from the fight because we're always going to be in that fight. If you haven't realized already, but there is not a lack of opponents. We got the world. We have our flesh. We have the devil. If the devil's not fighting us, the flesh will. If the flesh's not fighting us, the world will be fighting us. You see, we're in a fight, and there's always someone or something that wants to take us out. So that's why every day we've got to make sure we're putting on the whole armor of God. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. Fought a good fight. Paul did not say, I have won every round. He said, I have fought a good fight. You see, the truth is, we don't have to win every round to win the fight. It was September 16th, 1981. Thomas the Hitman Hearns was fighting against Sugar Ray Leonard, one of the classics, classic fights of the century. It was a fight to unify the World Welterweight Championships. It was back and forth. First, Hearns was leading the fight with points, and then it was Leonard, and then back to Hearns. But between the 12th and 13th round, Hearns went back to uh, his corner. Leonard went back to his. And uh, they, that was back when they had 12 to 13 rounds. Now they don't do that anymore. Too many people... Uh, I mean, people are dying, so they don't do that anymore. But uh, back when they would go 12 or 13 rounds, uh, Leonard's corner man, Angelo Dundee, said to Leonard, you're blowing it, son. You're blowing it. Leonard got up in the next round, and he fought in the 13th round like he'd never fought before. He just con- continued to wail at, uh, at Hearns and just kept beating on him, kept beating on him. And finally, the, 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 the bell rang, and they went back to their corner, and he got rested up, and he went back out in the 14th round. And he continued to just keep fighting like he had never fought before. And finally, the referee shouted, stop the fight, the fight's over, TKO. It was one of the classic fights. It was back and forth, but here's the thing. The judges had Hearns winning the fight by points the whole time but he's still lost. You see, you don't have to win all the rounds to win the fight. There'll be times in our Christian life that we might lose a round or two, or maybe more than that, but that does not mean the fight is over. Amen? The fight is still on. You might lose a round or two, but the fight is still on. Turn to your Bibles, please. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We'll read a couple verses here. And uh, by the way, I do want to thank everybody for coming tonight. Whether you knew I was preaching or not, I know many of you uh, come straight from work. And uh, thank you for coming tonight. But Hebrews chapter 11, we'll read verses 1 and 2 and a couple other verses. But Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith, this is the Hall of Faith chapter, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. When I was going to school, that's something I always wanted was a good report. 
report. I remember uh, before we got to high school, there was conduct reports. When you got in trouble, you'd get a conduct report. And I remember at the end of the year, they would recognize all the people that did not get a conduct report. And I remember being sometimes the only person in my class sitting very low in the pew still out there that didn't get to go up to the platform and receive that certificate. And uh, I, I think the teachers had something to get uh, against me, though, because one year I got a conduct report for washing my hair in the bathroom. I just wanted to make sure my hair was clean, and you're not supposed to do that, I guess. They didn't believe in personal hygiene. I don't know. But I got a conduct report for that. I got a conduct report one year for sneezing, or sorry, for laughing at a girl that sneezed all over her desk. It was funny. She sneezed all over her paper, and I laughed. I got a conduct report. I had another classmate, a girl that just started wearing heels. We're about third grade. She fell down the stairs, and I said, hey, did you have a great trip? And I got a conduct report for that. And the, the thing that cracked me up the most was that girl even laughed and thought it was a good joke. But I guess my teachers didn't like me too much. I remember that teacher, I would uh, tell her a joke in the morning, and if she laughed, it would be a good day. And if she didn't laugh, I knew I probably needed to be in a, a better, uh, I needed to act a little bit better that day. But if you could picture with me that the judge is God in this fight, and God was keeping score, and God's scorecard says they won. They won the fight. It says they obtained a good report. God was keeping score, and God says the people that are mentioned here in Hebrews chapter 11, they won the fight. They won their fight. They may have not won every round, but they won the fight. It says in verse seven, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness, which is by the faith. This is the same Noah that back in Genesis chapter nine grew a vineyard, and he drank of the wine, and he got drunk. But God gave Noah still a good report. Ezekiel 14, 13 through 14, it says, Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out mine hand upon it, and will break the staff of the bread thereof, and will send famine upon it, and will cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their, righteous, by their righteousness, saith the Lord. God declared Noah a man of righteousness, the same man who got drunk and was uncovered in his tent. The Bible says he is a man of righteousness. You say he got drunk, but he won the fight, and that's how God saw it. God looks at the whole fight. He just doesn't look at the, th the round three where we lost the round, but he looks at the whole fight. In the same chapter of Hebrews 11, we find a man named Abraham who also obtained a good report. After he offered his son Isaac to God, God called him the friend of God. I'd love to be called that, uh, the friend of God. But you know, that is the same man who fathered a child named Ishmael. Abraham and Sarah did not wait for God's promise of giving Sarah a son and took matters into their own hands. And by the way, the descendants of Ishmael became arch enemies of Israel. And uh, Sarah was, by the way, it was also her idea to give the handmaid to Abraham. But see, God looked at the whole fight. He saw the good times and the bad, but he declared that Abraham and Sarah won the fight. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not condoning sin. I'm not saying sin is okay. If we read the rest of the story, many of them suffered because of the decisions. However, God looked at the, at the end of their fight. He said, you won the fight. You lost several rounds there, but you won the fight. We're in a fight tonight against our flesh, against the world, against the devil. 
And tonight brings me to really the, the, really the message, the meat part of the message tonight is we are fighting above your weight. Tonight, fighting above your weight. We're going to talk about fighting above your weight. I ran across the statement uh, months ago, and it got my attention. Have you, you probably have heard the phrase, he's fighting above his weight. Uh, I Googled it. I was sent to various websites that had to do with boxing and those trainers who developed boxers. All the sites seemed to indicate that fighting above your weight meant that you were fighting an opponent who was bigger, meaner, and had the capacity to just knock your brains out. But there was a disclaimer that was given in the midst of defining this idea. It gave the thought that there were fighters in the past who managed to fight beyond their abilities and win the battle against an opponent who was intimidating to them. They had been outmanned and outgunned from the outset, but they kept on fighting above their weight until the victory had been secured. Through rigorous self-discipline, reaching above the obstacles and pressing on ahead of all the hindrances, they were victorious. And there's just something about that when an underdog beats uh, someone that you thought was going to win. Just happened a couple weeks ago in basketball. A number 16 seed beat a number one. It was a huge upset. And uh, because of that, Little Caesars gave out a $5 meal. It was for free to anybody else besides me. I was the only one, I guess. I, if it's for free, it's for me. Uh, I went and got a $5 meal and a drink. And uh, I talked to my dad that, uh, that day. He'd be, hopefully he won't listen to this. Uh, we'll edit this part out, uh, Dustin. But uh, he, he, went, he did the same thing back in uh, Illinois. And then he, someone was in line and says, you know, the other Little Caesars is just a couple miles away. I said, Dad, you didn't. He said, I did. I went and got another one. Then he said this. He said, I'm on a strict diet. I can't even eat this right now. I don't even know who I'm going to. I said, Dad, why don't you go find a homeless person? He said, well, I'm already home, so I guess I got to eat it. And uh, I said, Dad, you, uh, you just cheated the system. He said, don't tell anybody. Oops. Um, but there are things that all of us can do to become greater servants in the kingdom of God. And one of those necessary things to do is to fight above our weight. We're outweighed, but uh, don't, don't get me wrong. We have, we have the Lord on our side. 2 Corinthians 9, 26, 27, we read it already. But I therefore so run, that is uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that any by any means which I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul, with this one passage of Scripture, puts himself and all of the saints of God into the place of a boxer. If you can picture with me being a boxer. There will be moments when we duke it out with heavy blows to the enemy. The body of this boxer has been so finely trained that in his top-notch condition, uh, even in his top-notch condition, weeks of training have led up to the battle he's about to give involved in. And uh, that's why we must make sure that uh, we put on the whole armor of God, that we get into the Word. We come to the church every time the doors are open, but we must make sure that we're getting into the Word ourselves. If you're just coming to church to get fed, which I'm glad you're here, but if you're not getting into the Word of God yourself, you've missed the point. We need to be training every day for this fight. Just as the outer man has been turned into the finest condition through eating right, training right, sleeping right, and everything entailed, in the, just as much as the outer man is getting involved, the inner man is just as important. There are things that take place in the soul of that boxer that catapults him into the arena with a mindset toward victory. So a few words that come to mind for me are passion, courage, and stamina are all components of some of the greatest people who win the fight. If, hey, if they don't have passion, courage, and stamina, uh, they better have steroids. No, I'm just kidding. But they, might, they better have something that, that they're probably not going to win the fight because that inner man is what's important. If you don't have it on the inside, you're not going to have it on the outside. And we could fake it on the outside. 
Uh, I might still look like I'm in shape, but I go one, two times out the basketball court with some teens, and I can't do it anymore. And, uh, but we got to make sure that we are just as much on the inner as far as much as on the outside. Number one, that we must realize about fighting above your weight, we must understand it's a battle. We've talked about it. We must understand it's a battle. You've heard many a times the quote that the spiritual life is not a playground, it's a battlefield. One of the earliest mistakes that the devil tempts us into believing is that we are going to constantly be walking in places of refuge by the still waters in some green, lush pasture. Spiritual maturity will come into place without any effort or struggle. Can I just say that uh, I was just having a conversation with someone recently. I said, I don't wake up in the morning and the first thing is, I can't wait to read my Bible. I can't wait to pray today. Hey, sometimes that is even a struggle for me. It's first thing a lot of times when I wake up is, let me go back to sleep. Or if I hear my daughter crying, I just keeps acting like I'm asleep so my wife gets up and not me. Uh, don't tell her I said, oh, she's in church tonight. I didn't know, sorry. But, uh, but uh, very many times we've got to understand that it is a battle. We are in a fight. We're, we are in the fight of our life. And the Lord is always calling us to battle. In this passage, Paul is very clearly now points out that the greatest enemy of the soul is often ourselves. You, have to, you will have to be very hard on your flesh. A lot of times people can get saved and instantly things like, uh, I, I remember many people at college telling me the testimony that they couldn't even go home. They got saved, right, maybe their junior, senior year of high school and decided to go off to Bible college and their parents said, you're crazy, Why are you, what are you doing all these things that are changing? Oh, you're, we'll pay for you to go to this secular college that you, you have a scholarship there, you could do all these things. So no, I wanna go to Bible college. They said, well, don't bother coming back. I had many people that could not even go back to their home. Their own family wasn't supporting them, but they decided that they were in the fight and they were gonna continue in their fight. They weren't gonna give up. The very direction and how-to of the punches of the fight is defined in other places by Paul. Uh, to quote a couple, Romans 8, 12 through 14, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if through the Spirit, which by the way, through the Spirit, not our own selves, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Colossians 3, 5 through 8, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, uh, and I should have pronounced this word, I'm homeschooled, concupiscence, say it? Concupiscence. I was home educated, sorry. And covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Verse 7, in the which ye also walked some time, which ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Put off those things. Our old nature, put off those things. Galatians 5:24. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Paul is saying here, you are the one that must take control by, by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it in our own spirit, in our own, in our own, uh, in our own flesh. We must put on, uh, fill ourselves up with the Spirit, but we gotta be the one. Someone else can't make that decision for us. You gotta make that decision yourselves. We gotta mortify. We need to be in control, be in charge of our, our, own, our, our, our own flesh. We need to have power over it. We need to destroy it every day. He does not say for us to fight uh, for reform of the body, but to beat it down. He says you might not win but every day, but you need to beat it down constantly. You need to fight it every day. You might not, just like we talked about, you might, might not win every round, 
but you could win the fight if you just keep on fighting. More times that I would like to admit, I have fought against everything else but myself because I'm my biggest enemy. Uh, sometimes I could think uh, low about myself. I can have personal weaknesses. Sometimes I can allow outward circumstances to dictate my joy. I think of some where sometimes I get so focused on other people and why aren't they doing this? Why are they, why are they doing this? And a lot of times that's magnified in my own life. I'm doing the same thing where I'm doing something that's even worse in my own eyes. And I need to make sure that I'm, it's my fight. That's their fight. I need to worry about my own fight. If you can ever, uh, through the Spirit, master yourself and beat down those things that control your mind and thoughts, half of the battle has been fought and you are shortly on your way to victory. Think about it. Every fire is start with just one spark. Every revival begins with one man. Every change begins with one man. Every spiritual uh, change begins with one man. He decided to pray. He decided to fast. He decided to worship. He decided and determined to make a difference. He came to the point in his life, says, I'm not going to make excuses anymore. He determined to conquer those feelings of lust, failures, and things that can control him. Sometimes we need to say to ourselves, I'm better than this. I may have disappointed God in myself, but by the grace of God, I'm going to get better and I'm going to change. I have written in the front of my Bible and a date next to it, I put, I'm tired of disappointing my loved ones. And uh, as many as you can maybe attest, uh, I'm, not, I'm not perfect. My wife would be the first one to tell you I'm not perfect. And, uh, but I have made some cho- poor choices growing up and some things that really I uh, didn't realize, but now as I'm getting older, I'm realizing it. The things that the choices I make and the, th- the decisions that I make don't only affect me, but it affects those closest around me. Remember, I made a decision in college, a very poor decision, and it hurt my family. It hurt those that were closest around me. And you know what hurt really the most was seeing all the tears and seeing the pain from those that I love, the things that I decided to do. But I need to say to myself, I'm better at this by the grace of God. I can conquer this. I'm going to master this thing that keeps dragging me down into the gutter. Pat Conroy wrote a very dark book called The Prince of the Tides about three kids who grew up along the South Carolina coastline. Two brothers and a sister who all felt like their circumstances of life controlled their destiny. Even into their adult lives when they made poor choices, they looked back to their childhood and tried to pin the responsibility there. This is not the case with someone who has been redeemed, who's been saved. He has to step out of that kind of mindset. I've heard a lot of times, and I don't want to fault anybody if you've ever said this, but... If my dad would have just been there in the home, if this wouldn't have happened to me when I was a kid, if I would have had a a youth group to be a part of, if I would have had a good church to be a part of, and don't get me wrong, those are all good excuses, but we're here now. We know the truth. You're in church now. You're surrounded by a family that loves you, that prays for you. You can't keep pinning that on the past and saying, if if this would have been different, I, I, I would be doing more right now. No, we can't live like that, especially when we have the Lord on our side and we're saved. All God's children get in trouble. And again, I'm not condoning sin, but none of us are, are perfect. And um, Paul comes along and says, my body, my thoughts, my dreams, my desires are going to become my slaves. I will control them instead of them controlling me. I am going to fight above my weight. You'll have to learn not only to, uh, that we're in a battle, but number two, fighting above your weight, you need to learn how to take a punch. You need to learn how to take a punch. Before that boxer ever gets in the ring, there's very, very many hours of him uh, certainly not getting hit, but before he gets in that ring, he's got to duke it out. He's got to have a scrimmage. He's got to learn how to take a punch. And I would wish I could say that nobody in here would ever need to take a punch. And again, I'm talking about 
I'm not talking about someone physically coming up and punching you. I'm talking about uh, spiritually or, you know, or emotionally. Learn how to take a punch. And uh, Pastor, one of the, the greatest uh, illustrations he always shares with me, and uh, uh, I'll maybe be complaining about something. He says, Caleb, just learn how to take it under the chin. Sometimes you just got to learn how to take it. And uh, it's actually been very encouraging to me. And then sometimes it's like, you just got to picture that. You know, something's wearing me down. Learn how to take a punch. The story is told of an aged saint a long time ago. He was going about his, busy, uh, his business when he heard a knock on the door. Who is it? He called out. There was a, uh, a figure in the shadows at the door, and the, door, uh, the person said, it is the Savior. That old saint was suspicious and said, well, if you're the Savior, show me the nail prints in your hands. The story goes that that person vanished away. It was the devil. You see, there is no Christianity without the prints of the nails. Uh, I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ went through all that he went through for me, but we can't be celebrating what we celebrate every day if the Lord Jesus Christ didn't have to go through a lot. He had to learn how to take a punch, and by the way, he took a lot more than a punch. I think we all understand that. Every saint of God is born to fight. I was talking with Pastor a little bit before the the service. Uh, His message on Sunday really encouraged me. Uh, Born again, uh, you know, born born to win. I like that. I like that uh, spirit. You know, the person that says, Whoever came up with the phrase, everybody's a winner. He must have been a loser, because not to me, not everybody is a winner. You got to win. I grew up, uh, I, I know I'm still a little bit young, but I grew up in the era, not everybody got a trophy. You only got a trophy if you won. And uh, as it wasn't, everybody got a medal. Thank you for p- participating. Hey, guess what? We all should be participating. That's what we, we signed up to do when we got saved. But we are in this to win it. Every saint of God is born to fight. With that fight, there are punches that you will have to take, but in the long run, you have to constantly remind yourself that that is only a matter of, there's only a matter of time before I get to decide when and where the victory is going to take place. I wish I could tell you that we're gonna be immune from suffering, but to do so, that would be a very unbiblical thing to say. Consider with me Romans 8, 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, there's gonna be sufferings, but they are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Hey, we gotta go through some sufferings, but it's, it's gonna seem like nothing when the glory is revealed unto us. Second Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, for which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for what? A moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and internal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. There are many other passages that spell out the same message, that suffering will be a certainty of life. We're going to have to go through some things. And by the way, you might be going through something right now, that is the biggest thing in your life. I tell the teens all the time that I remember going things through things when I was in the youth group, not belittling anything they're going through, but to me, it was the biggest thing in the world. Now I look back and I think, man, that was nothing. But guess what? If we jumped into the ring with the, with the undefeated and the best opponent, we would lose. We gotta, God brings battles into our lives to prepare us for those bigger battles. I'm glad he doesn't bring the, the, the very big battle into our lives right away. He's training us. He's getting us to that point where we can take what he gives us, and his grace is sufficient. He will have to suffer in the fight. Boxers have to endure split lips, bloody noses, and black eyes. And by the way, if that didn't happen, I probably wouldn't watch. 
uh, a saint of God will have to endure some, some soul-jarring uh, blows, some mind uh, injuries, and some disorientation in our spirit. But keep fighting, because suffering is just part of the journey. If you don't suffer, you won't uh, enjoy that victory. When you suffer, remember, you're not alone. The Lord is with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. When you suffer for righteousness, you are better off than your persecutors. When you suffer for Jesus Christ, it's much better than suffering from sin. When you suffer for the Lord, none of the, none of the challenges were a surprise to God. He knew you were going to endure those. He already knew that was going to happen. He knows that you can get through it, but we've got to go to him. When you suffer for the Lord, remember that he also is suffering with you. And uh, I just think, I again, I uh, only have a, a daughter that's two years old, but it really just, a lot of things start to make more sense when you have a kid, and uh, I, I just seeing the childlike faith, and uh, my, my daughter will be climbing on something, and I try to explain to her, you're going to fall and get hurt, and she instantly just says, mommy, daddy, she's saying, hey, you guys are going to kiss me, and it's all going to be better, so I could do whatever I want, and we try to explain to her, it's still going to hurt. But guess what? Just as her earthly father is ready there to pick her up and help her, my heavenly father is right there ready for me and he is suffering with me. And when my daughter cries, then when there's a different cry, not just the fake cry that she does all the time, but when she's actually hurt and she really is crying, I'm suffering with her as well. Our heavenly father, when we're going through something, he is suffering with us. Moses chose to suffer with the people of God rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. This, uh, this quote was, uh, I don't know who it was from, but this quote was, uh, it says, never are men's graces so improved as in the times of suffering, as the spices have a more fragrant smell when they are beaten to, to a powder than when they are whole. And so the saints' graces are much more fragrant in the nostrils of God and do grow up more in the time of suffering. A lot of times we grow more when we're going through suffering because we have no one else to turn to but to God. We try to do things on our own, and we start to go through something, and finally we're like, okay, I give up. God will come to you, and don't get me wrong, I've been there. But that's, that's, that's when we sometimes grow the most. We get closer to God. I can remember some of the closest times that I've been with God was normally right when I was just got off of a mountain. I'm going through a valley, and uh, we can't get to that mountain without going through those valleys. It says in 2 Timothy 2.12, if we suffer, we should also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. I'm trying to hurry here, I'm sorry. Romans 8 is loaded with promises to those who suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ. If you're going through something right now, I challenge you, just go back to Romans 8 and read that later. Not only do we have to understand that we're in a battle, not only do we need to understand how to learn how to take a punch, but fighting above your weight, thirdly, we need to, we, you have to learn to endure. If you're going to fight above your weight, you know that you're in a battle. You will have to take some punches, and you'll also understand that there's a necessity to endure. Uh, many times people have quit just short of a victory. Boxers are told that they need to run two to three miles a day to gain the necessary uh, endurance. Uh, it's inevitable that you're going to get tired. You're going to get tired. I remember there was a basketball team. The coach made them run around laps holding their hands up. And uh, I forget the team. Pastor might know who I'm talking about. But that team went into several overtimes. And they, uh, many of the players alluded to that. says, because our coach makes us run with our arms, our arms didn't get tired because we were used to always having our arms up when we run, so we didn't get tired of shooting. They went in at several overtimes, and they beat the other team because they had trained for it. Uh, the way often seems hard and challenging. More often than not, it will seem as uh, spiritual progress is always against the grain. There will be times when the fight is frustrating, and it will be weary on us, but we must march on. Many times I have felt 
by quitting. I'm sure maybe you have been there as well. Effort and struggle are two uh, things that we really cannot escape in life. It is like canoeing up the river. If you have to keep paddling, if you quit paddling, you'll begin to drift back downstream, and then you've got to work back to where you were. <clears throat> we, run all, uh, we all run into things that make endurance difficult to us. And uh, just to name a few, a few, persecution from those around us at home, at school and at work. I talked about my friends who really had nobody cheering them on. Uh, they didn't have any family, any close members cheering them on. False teachers in our day that make it difficult for those who are authentic. Skeptical friends and family members that can dig into our commitment. All of these things can have a troubling effect on our spiritual life. But if we stay with it and we don't get weary in well-doing, reaping comes to us when we often do not expect it. In due season, we shall reap if we faint not. One of the old great men of God was in his 19th year and had some of his friends to come to him and encourage him to ease up a bit in the area of his spiritual endurance. They say, hey, just, just, just ease up a little bit. You're still being too tough. You're 19, you've been in the ministry 19 years. You can coast a little bit. He quickly answered back to him, why would you have me to quit the race so close to the goal? I'm not sure if you've ever heard of David Brainerd the missionary to the American Indians who died at 29 years of age. Jonathan Edwards took uh, Brainerd's journals and published them, and one of, the entry went li- one of the entries went like this. I board with a poor Scotsman. His wife can talk scarcely any English. My diet consists of mostly hasty pudding, boiled corn, and bread baked in ashes. I'm getting hungry. And sometimes a little meat and butter. My lodging is a little heap of straw laid upon some boards a little way from the ground for it is a long room without any floor that I lodge in. My work is exceedingly hard and difficult. I travel on foot a mile and a half in the worst of roads, almost daily and back again, for I live so far from the Indians, I have not seen an English person this whole month. These are many other, there are many other uncomfortable circumstances that attend me, and yet my spiritual conflicts and distresses so far exceed all of these that I scarce can't think of them but feel as if I were entertained in the most sumptuous manner, the Lord grant that I may learn to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Hey, we gotta endure hardness. We're gonna go through some things that aren't gonna be easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Number four, fighting above your weight. We need to destroy self-indulgence. Peter informed us that the appetites of the flesh are in a constant warfare against the soul. We need to destroy our self-indulgences. Moving on here, I'm going to skip a little bit, but I, I think about the boxer, as he's getting prepared, what he has to go through, okay? What he, uh, had to, what, what he eats, his diet, has been predetermined for him. How long he sleeps is scheduled for him. It will be demanded of him that he has to run two or three miles every single day. I guess I won't be a boxer. Uh, the sorts of foods that he is allowed to eat have been planned out for him. The hours a day he must spend in a gym will be designed according to a plan. The amount of water he is required to take in every day will be forced upon him. All of these things are given to him so that he can ascend to the platform of that championship and win that trophy in the belt. Many of you probably have read Pilgrim's Progress. Bunyan tells of a uh, Christian going to see Interpreter who fills the role of a pastor. Interpreter takes Christian to see the terrible condition of the man in the iron cage. Christian asked the man, how did you get in this condition? The answer was very troubling. I quit watching. I quit thinking soberly. I lay down the reins and let my lust 
run wild. I sinned against the light of the world. I sinned against the goodness of God. I grieved and quenched the spirit. I tempted the devil and he got me. I provoked God to anger and he left me. I hardened my heart and now I cannot repent. Then interpreter looked to, the Christ, looked to Christian and said, let this be a lesson to you. Don't ever forget his misery. Christian in a very troubled way answered back, half in response and half in a pleading prayer, God help me to watch and be sober always. I can think of many people that I have seen that had given up in their fight. And, uh, and I've, I've talked to several that have come back and said, I wish we wouldn't have given up. And by the way, they could still come back, don't get me wrong, but they have a lot of scars in their life that they cannot get, get away from. But let that be a lesson to all of us. If you're going to fight above your weight, you have to know you're in a fight. You'll have to take some hits. You have to endure. You'll have to battle against self-indulgence. And lastly, we must understand you will get weary. Even boxers who are trained to be in tip-top physical condition get tired by the end of the fight, but there is a remedy for that. They say, keep your hands up. Trainers and boxers often relate that in some of the greatest fights in history, the final rounds of the fight were won because the fighter simply kept his hands up. There's a passage in the Bible that describes Gideon's men uh, that you have to love. J Judges 8.4 tells us that uh, the 300, of, you know, the 300 uh, they were faint yet pursuing. Uh, and I could say, I've been there. Have you ever been there? I've been there more than I'd like to remember. I, I knew that I wanted to gain the victory, but inside there was a weariness that was beyond me. But then I needed to realize, I'm gonna get weary. I need to go back to the Lord and I need to ask for help. We can get tired for various reasons. The greatness of the work, the harvest truly is plenteous. We can get uh, weary for the lack of help, though the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. We could, be, uh, we could get tired for many other reasons. Many times in the past, I'm sure that it, uh, it'll, and it will take place in the uh, future, there are people that limp into church, drag, they get dragged in, they almost crawl in. They were faint, but they were still pursuing. And as long as they were still pursuing, God could still do something in their lives. You'd, I'd want to yell to them, keep punching, keep your hands up, keep moving, keep praying, keep giving, fight above your weight. You have never been as close to victory than where you are right now. And I wanna challenge you with just that thought. You might be going through something right now and in a room this size, I think many of us are going through something. But victory uh, is just on the other side of the battle. Hey, you can't enjoy the victory of the war without first getting defeated. You can't enjoy getting back up and knocking down the enemy without first getting knocked down. And again, I'm not saying uh, that sin, I'm not condoning sin, but a lot of times it's just when we get back on track, it's so much better when we get back on track and we can get back in the fight. In conclusion, and I'm done, and I'm, I've gone over time, I'm sorry. If you haven't gotten anything, here's what I want you to get right here. In conclusion, number one, you cannot win the fight if you quit. You can't win the fight if you quit. Second Timothy 4, 10 is for Demas, half forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed unto Thessalonica. You can't win if you quit. And uh, number two, you are never out of the fight. You are never out of the fight. God the Father is waiting for you with open arms, waiting for you to get back in it. Uh, the prodigal son is such a beautiful picture of uh, uh, a heavenly father waiting for us. Yeah, I'm sure that prodigal son has many regrets and wish that he never left home, but the heavenly father says, you're still in the fight, come back. Maybe you're here tonight and you have a testimony similar to me I uh, grew up in a Christian home, and uh, I wasn't saved from a lot of, uh, saved out of a lot of sin, but I was saved from a lot of sin. Yes, I did make a lot of mistakes, but 
uh, by the grace of God, I can say I've never touched alcohol, I've never touched drugs, uh, I've never, never gone, uh, gotten in trouble with the law, I've never, well, besides speeding tickets, but, um, but I could say by the grace of God, those things, uh, I, I've never had to go through those things. Now, if you have gone through that, I bet you could attest that you wish that you could say, hey, I, I wish I hadn't gone through that, but we're glad that you're here and you're still in the fight. I'd much rather be 25 and 0 than 25 and 5, uh, if we, but I'm saying tonight, you're still in the fight. Number three, and I'm done in the closing. You have a corner man. Just like that guy at the beginning that I talked to that story, Angelo Dundee. He said, hey, you're blowing it. You know, he was pretty much encouraging him. Hey, hey, you're blowing it. You better get out there and do something about this. But we have a quarter man. It says, Hebrews 4.15, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was, at, was in all points tempted like as we, yet without sin. Can I encourage you tonight? We have a quarter man, and he's undefeated. He's been through the fight. He's watching us fight. He sees all the things that we need to do. We must go to our corner man. It'd be very foolish if we were, uh, if you could picture as a, a boxer is fighting, he's getting beat down, and he never goes back to his corner to get refreshed, to go back to the word of God and say, and go back and get on his knees and pray before God, and say, God, I need your help. I need your encouragement. It'd be very foolish of him to never go back and say, I'm ready for the next round. Can I say, we're not ready for the next round. We need to get back to our corner man. He knows the fight better than you. Get to your corner man in between the rounds. I just wanna encourage you with a thought tonight that it's a good fight. As a lot of times that word fight can be something that's kind of scary, but it's a good fight. I like, uh, I like winning. Uh, I'm very competitive. And if I get knocked down, I'm gonna get back up. And, I'm gonna, and I encourage all of you tonight, you might be going through something right now that is very, very difficult, but can I encourage you that you're, it's a good fight and you have a corner man and if you can't, you cannot win the fight if you quit. And also, I want to remind you that you are never out of the fight. I just want to say, lastly, and I'm done here, I wonder how many times uh, we could go back and you, you could fill in the blank, but uh, my mom and dad just shared with me about a year ago, I never knew this, that there was several years that they thought about getting a divorce. And uh, I had never heard those words growing up, and I never thought, I never saw uh, my parents weren't perfect, uh, but I saw them work things out together. And uh, I just remember in tears saying to my parents, I'm so thankful that you didn't give up in the fight. I said, today I get to stand before uh, the Lord and I get to, I get to, I get to work, uh, work thing, uh, get to work in the ministry. I said, I don't know where I would be if you guys would have given up. And I wanna remind you all that somebody is watching you go through your fight right now. And if you quit, they might quit also. Don't quit. It's a good fight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would just maybe just encourage one. God, it's just been encouraging to me. Don't give up in the fight. It is a fight. God, and if it was easy, everybody would do it. But God, I pray that you, we would just go to you every day. God, I pray that we would just have the, the, the thought of enduring and dying to self every day. God, I pray that when we get knocked down, we get back up and we go to you. Lord, I love you so much. And I ask all these things in your name.